Welcome to our Baby on the Brand series, where we bring awareness to Canadian female entrepreneurs, influencers, musicians, and boss babes who are in prevailing and fascinating careers, breaking the mold in their respective industries, building communities, empowering women, and are showing other Canadian babes that hard work, perseverance, and loud voices pays off. We hope that our series will inspire you as you build your own successful empire and pave the way for your own revolution. Get inspired, feel empowered, and get to know more about the babe beyond the brand. Come experience the thrill of a lifetime with a skydive at Parachute Ottawa, one of the most modern facilities in Canada. And it's just 30 minutes outside of Ottawa. A once in a lifetime experience with top of the line equipment, breathtaking views, and a professional team with decades of experience and over a thousand combined jumps. Parachute Ottawa specializes in first experiences, education, and safety. Come achieve epic heights with Parachute Ottawa. Visit ParachuteOttawa.ca or call 1-877-OTT-JUMP. When you take a ride on the Thirsty Peddler, you really have to work for that drink. Party bikes, which originated in Europe, started to become popular in the United States. But it wasn't until 2019 when someone finally decided to bring the pedal party bike pub crawl to Ottawa. And that was Jesse Shank. But owning a pedal bike comes with its own sets of challenges. From finding a multi-passenger bike in a local repair shop, including liabilities, like if someone falls off the bike, location, because you need enough pubs close nearby to pedal to, and having your business approved to operate alongside traffic, because rush hour traffic does not need another reason to be held up. But Jessie found herself a mentor who happened to be someone who was already in the sign of work, and she asked the right questions and found key players that helped to make her business successful, creating a brand that is built on the fundamental basis of being approachable and community-oriented, while also capturing the vibrancy of an engaged tourism sector. So in this episode, Jessie and I chatted all about how both her former experience working for the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group and her current role as the marketing manager for Ottawa Tourism has helped to contribute to the success of building a successful tourism brand, how creating and building authentic relationships play a key role in her business, why Jessie chose popular local and tour spot The Glebe to host her tours in, and so much more about owning and operating the only pedal party pub crawl in Ottawa. So please welcome Jessie Shank from the Thirsty Peddler in Ottawa to the baby on the brand. So Jessie, I found you on LinkedIn and you have the most diverse background of education. So from international sport marketing in Amsterdam, in uh, kinesiology and human kinetics in, in London and Ottawa. So two completely different paths of education that are under your belt. Where did you initially see yourself in your career? Great question. Um, well, I was just always very active and into sports and I loved going to events, whether that was concerts or sporting events. So when I took kinesiology, there's kind of like a bunch of different ways you can go with it. There's like biology, anatomy, physiology, like all the science-y stuff, but I went more arts and I was really drawn to um, sport marketing and sport business. So I did an undergrad in kinesiology and a master's in human kinetics, which is just another way of saying kinesiology a little easier. Um, and I specialize in sport management. So I, I saw myself working in sports. And honestly, it's funny because I knew that it was such a male dominated industry that I took up golf in high school so that I could be invited to like tournaments because I know that men tend to network and I didn't want to be in the sports business world and not get invited to tournaments because I didn't know how to play. I saw that you wear many, many different hats throughout your career. And I, and I want to quote you actually from your LinkedIn profile, because you've got researcher, analyst, writer, educator, coordinator, business developer, but you said that your personal favorite is relationship builder. So when and how did you learn this important and crucial concept in business? Oh, I don't know that I'd be able to pinpoint it. Um, but just different mentors, leaders, bosses, and people that I look up to, throughout the years have always kind of emphasized relationships and it's not who you know is what you know, which of course it matters what you know, or sorry, yeah, what you know as well. But um, there's lots of people that know a lot. And if you don't know the right people to connect you and refer you and like um, 
obviously Julia from Little Miss Ottawa told you about um, Thirsty Peddler. And if people aren't saying good things about you or your businesses, then you're not going to, you know, go far. But also, I just think it's so much more fun to collaborate and to do things that are mutually beneficial to multiple people. So it's not just self-serving, but like, how can I involve different local businesses in the community? And how can I serve in the sense that like, we create an experience that's fun. And to me, like having um, something to do that's fun in your life is important. Like, yes, it's not an essential service, but it's like getting people together and celebrating special occasions is really important to me. And I think that all revolves around relationships. Sorry, I kind of just went on a little wormhole there. I actually remember having a boss who talked about playing in different sandboxes and inviting people to play in your sandbox. And I never really understood that concept until I matured and got a little bit older and, and, and dipped into the business world myself. Because even though I'm in a specific industry, as are you, everybody really plays an important part in, in the community aspect and building each other up in business. And we can all learn from one another. We can all have different takeaways but we all kind of like need a piece, a little, a little piece of each other's um, success in that regard. So, I mean, when I'm thinking about my success, I'm thinking about how can I build my brand? And so I think that like building that sense of community, reaching out to different people, inviting them to play in your sandbox, but also like forming those genuine connections is so valuable and important in business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like what you're saying about building a brand like to me, it's ultimately your relationship building is do people like you and do they want to work with you? And if you're likable and people know you like you, they'll trust you, they'll buy from you and they'll want to work with you. And they know that like people want to work with people they like and enjoy seeing every week. And I mean, for us, we go into our partner locations every week. So just like making sure that what we're providing is giving our partners value and being like fun and, and engaging. And then just also like being like pleasant to be around is so like soft skills are so underrated. I think it's so true. Well, well, soft skills is like social skills, social mm-hmm. skills, and even having that, uh, that, that genuine connection and the realness and, and to be able to trust one another, which it's, it sounds so silly, Jesse, but it's so true. Like to be able to put your trust in a brand, in a business, in a person, it takes a lot nowadays. Like yes. that human connection at the starting is so important and so valuable because people can see right through you, especially on social media. hundred percent. I know. Well, actually <laughs> I, I feel like sometimes people are really good at presenting a good version of themselves. Like I think that I've definitely gone through different um, partnership scenarios where you're like, Oh, you just think that, you know, somebody. And when you get to know them, that maybe it's, you know, it's a bit of smoke and mirrors. So I think that there's like something to be said about knowing people offline and like actually spending FaceTime with them so that you can get to know someone on a deeper level. I think that's important. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jesse, this actually leads me right into my next question because we want to get to know you on a deeper level as well as your business. (laughs) And the Thirsty Peddler it was the first and it's the only pedal pub crawl in Ottawa and has been the go-to tourist attraction in Ottawa for both tourists and for locals. So where did you first see this concept of a pedal bike pub tour and how did you and your business partner take the steps to launch it specifically right in our capital? Well, <laughs> um, so I was on a bachelorette in Nashville, which is where um, you'll commonly see like pedal pubs or in Nashville, they're known as pedal taverns to have that sort of country flair. And I was on with my girlfriends and I thought, this is so fun. And Ottawa has all these unique neighborhoods that are really um, fun and have a lot of cool places, but they're also like walkable and bikeable and, you know, different boroughs throughout Ottawa. So I was like, this would be super cool in Canada's capital. And I also thought there's this kind of reputation of Ottawa being a city that fun forgot. And I wanted to try to prove that we are not boring and we could be one of the like um, leaders in party bikes because I knew they were popping up all over. That's kind of the like layman's term is party bikes, Um, but they were popping up all over the States and a few places out West. So I reached out to a local owner in Kelowna and I forced him to have coffee with me. So obviously face-to-face, I think is so important. And we did a, a coffee meeting and 
he walked in and he was, he's a local Kelowna boy. And he's like, my mentor told me not to tell you everything and to charge you for consulting fees. But I like, we were like five minutes into our coffee. And he's like, but I really like you. And I'm just going to tell it all to you. Just like telling you what to do, what not to do and certain things to like keep in mind. And that was one of my smartest moves was talking to somebody who owns the business because he was very upfront about the pros and cons, what would be our struggling, like what would be our pain points and what would be beneficial. And yeah, like I got to learn from all his mistakes. So I thought that was like really intelligent on my part. <laughs> and I would recommend that anybody that wants to start a business, talk to people in that field to learn like the things you might not know behind the scenes and the grind and the things that uh, might deter you and you have to know ahead of time. I just think it's super valuable. A hundred percent. You have to find those mentors, those people in business who have been, who've been in business for a little bit now, and they understand the groundwork and the challenges that can kind of set you up for success for, for whenever you decide to launch it. Now, Jesse, what were you doing initially before, before stepping into entrepreneurship? So I, I did do sport, sport marketing and I um, worked in corporate partnerships for the Red Blacks, which is also a lot of uh, relationship building. We were selling sponsorships basically for um, the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group, which at the time included a soccer team, Ottawa Fury, um, the Ottawa 67's OHL team, and the Red Blacks. So I worked in corporate partnerships for three years. I was with OSAG when the Red Blacks won a Grey Cup, which was super exciting because people probably don't know this, but as an employee, you get a Grey Cup ring. So I had one that said Shank on it, and my dad was over the moon. Thought that was so cool. Um, it's like a dialed back version and from what the players have. Cause I feel like the players, like I would like fall over from the weight, but, um, I was really enjoying sports, but I wanted to free up my nights and weekends because I had this idea to open Thirsty Peddler and I couldn't, um, do that with a job that demanded so much time on the weekends and the evenings. So I strategically thought about where I could work. That was more in my mind, cushy, um, and nine to five work a clock in and clock out. And that would line me or that would set me up for success in tourism. So I reached out to someone I knew that worked at Ottawa tourism and my mentor at OSEG connected me with someone high up at Ottawa tourism. Um, but anyways, and then I was like, yeah, I'm in. So then I left OSEG, started working at Ottawa tourism. And then a little bit into my tenure at Ottawa Tourism, I was like, hey, I really want to start a tourism business. And now I'm realizing this might be a conflict of interest. So I just had really transparent conversations with the leadership team there and was pleasantly surprised with how they received that sort of um, goal of mine because their our entire like Ottawa Tourism's mandate is to make Ottawa cool and um, attract people to Ottawa over other places like Toronto and Montreal. The time Toronto didn't have a party bike company they now do but so just like having an offering that made our destination different they're like why wouldn't we support that like you want to be actively involved in our tourism business absolutely so that actually helped me and my leadership team at auto tourism helped like write letters of referral to work with the city of ottawa to get through some of the red tape with the city permitting um yeah and that was that's kind of the brainchild i my evolution from sports to tourism and now i still am there <laughs> I think that this was meant to be for you, Jesse. Like when I found out that you were working for Ottawa Tourism, I thought not only is it a great way to shamelessly promote and plug yourself on occasion, right? Like on the socials, but you're also learning all the ins and outs of, of being a tourist business. And you're working with all different kinds of tourism businesses as well. So you're seeing what they're doing. You're seeing what's working, what's not working. You're learning all the different elements of promoting yourself on the socials, as well as like during the pandemic, which we're going to get into as well, because everybody that was in the tourism industry really had to love this word, Jesse, pivot and get creative during that time, right? Because there were so many restrictions that were in place. But um, I really think that this is so crucial to being in this role in order to kind of help elevate your business as well. And the fact, the fact that you launched your business in 2019 and there were no other businesses like this, like no other pedal party pub tours in <laughs> Ottawa, let alone even in Toronto. That's mind blowing because I feel like this is something that was like, th that should have been in place a long time ago. So where did you find your business partner? I think is the next question that I want to get into. So you and your business partner, how did this partnership come to be? Uh, great question. So we actually worked together at OSEG. So where I worked with the Red Blacks and um, she is the type of woman that is 
uh, a risk taker. And um, I was super passionate about the idea. So she was like, okay. Like she just thought of it as an investment and she had the funds. Um, so we both put in 50% of the startup cost and then we ran it together. Um, she's very, she was in the ticketing side of um, sporting events. So she knew how to like run our booking software and all that stuff scared me because I wasn't sure how to like get people to go online from our website and book. Now it's like all these platforms, they make so user-friendly. And once you get used to it, it's so easy. And I would always ask her to do that stuff in the back end. And then when I finally taught myself, I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't you just tell me to learn it? Like, it's so easy. Um, but she she's way more back end, like likes to do the finance and um, ticketing and stuff like that. And she actually started working on her career in Live Nation. So she's now not with the business. So I bought her out um, super amicably. She wanted to pursue her concert uh touring dreams and she's currently on tour traveling with brian adams um but yeah no so it was it was interesting we worked together first and then we became friends and we started working together and that was obviously super you know tense at times working with a friend and just being under stress and trying to like make our money back and figure out everything like the bike is an interesting vehicle and ordered it from europe so um like replacement parts aren't just something you go and get into a bike store really. So just like going through the struggles of the pain points with a business partner, of course it's tense. So we, we did well and we, we parted amicably not until 2022 last year, I brought her out. I couldn't have done without her. I think just being a young entrepreneur at the time, I, I really liked having someone to bounce my ideas off of and kind of validate what I was thinking and, now I have more confidence from doing things myself and from doing things together and realizing that I know what to do and just learning things and having more confidence in yourself. But at the time, um, in 2019, I didn't think it was something I could do by myself. So I thought having a partner would be beneficial and it was, but it wasn't necessary after a while. And she had other dreams and I was really into it. So we decided I would take it over all by myself. All right, Jesse, I want to kind of go back a little bit because you did tease us by by talking about how you initially got the bike. And here's an interesting concept because I feel like a lot of us would initially think that the whole pedal party bike initially started in Nashville, which it is very popular, but it actually started out in Amsterdam. So Europe, this is where we get the bikes. Yes. What did that process look like? Yeah, it was it was an interesting undertaking. I learned this is the thing about entrepreneurship is you have to be comfortable uh, making mistakes and knowing that there's going to be so many things you'll look back and be like hindsight 2020. Like I don't know, what I did that. but um, so just a bit of background, like you said, Amsterdam's a big biking um, country and culture. So the origin story of pedal pubs party bikes, whatever you want to call them, is some engineer was basically dared that he couldn't be in a float and pedaling like a pedal powered float because he wanted to be environmentally friendly while drinking. So he created whatever the first iteration of a party bike was, and it was to be in a float on a dare. And it evolved from there into like a tourism offering. And in some European countries, like where they offer um, party bikes, they tours, they just give it to the group without anybody from the staff like you just go and you don't have anybody driving you around in a lot of countries and and you can drink on the bike which we can talk about which you can't actually do in Canada in Ontario so it's a very different situation in Europe but that all let's say um of course Americans realized this was a cool offering and they actually started a franchise in Minnesota is the head office but that's where um, Nashville gets all their bikes is Minnesota has a franchise called Pedal Pub and Pedal Pub made a sole distribution um, agreement with the Amsterdam head office and the best bikes you can get, like the Lexus, whatever Escalades of party bikes, you can only purchase from this Amsterdam manufacturer if you're a licensee or franchisee of Pedal Pub, which is an American company. And we didn't want to do that because um, I did talk to the American franchise um, sales director about starting one in Ottawa and it would have been a, an American price tag to buy in which doesn't make sense and we had to get franchise fees every year so it was just going to be astronomically more expensive and the, Allison and I together my business partner thought we could just find a bike and do it independently which I'm super grateful we did because now we're not giving franchise fees and I 
think a lot of times franchisees, owners, whatever, they don't give the support that they maybe promise and you're just kind of doing it on your own anyways. So unfortunately we weren't able to get the like Escalade of party bikes from Amsterdam, but we sourced one from Spain. It's my long winded answer. And um, there was a Spanish manufacturer, but it was gonna take a really long time to import. So I thought I was being intelligent because they have like a, a demo bike on the premise in Spain in, um, in, at, the manuf- at the factory. And I didn't fly to Spain. I just had faith over the internet and I thought, okay, well, if it's your demo bike and people are coming to the factory to ride it, it must be a good one, right? So I asked if we could buy their demo bikes because I didn't want to wait for one to be custom built because that was going to take 10 weeks. And this was already like June and I wanted to start that year. So, so they sent me their demo bike for a discounted price, still expensive. And when it showed up, ocean freight it shipped over on an ocean freight sea container it was in bad shape i had to spend quite a bit of money to refurbish it and uh like find someone that would work on a random vehicle like this so i took it to cavanaugh construction in good old carlton place and they worked on it for like a couple of weeks and got it in tip top shape and and then we spent the whole summer learning how to like maintain this niche vehicle so Spain. It's from Spain. Gotcha. How did you initially think of to go to Kavanaugh Construction to (laughs) construct this bike, Jesse? Because I mean, I I don't even know where I would even think of to bring it for repairs because you're like, it's not a vehicle. It's not. I mean, it's a bike. So, I mean, do you take it to a bike shop? Like, why Kavanaugh Construction? Well, it needed a lot of metal work done. And um, my boyfriend worked for Kavanaugh at the time. And one of his best friends is like in the Kavanaugh family. So it was like, I don't think the word is nepotism, but like I had to pay for it, but it just was an end to get them to be willing to work on it. Um, and oddly enough, the I learned this, the construction like auto shops off season is a lot of the summer because the all the vehicles are on the road, like they're doing construction. Whereas in the winter, they're doing a lot of maintenance on all the um, construction vehicles. So they had time in their schedule to help me fit, fix this uh, kind of broken bike. It just, it was like almost incomplete and it did come damaged from the ocean freight, which happens when you ship things overseas. So that delayed our opening. yeah, a lot of weird things happened. Like I would have just ordered a custom bike and, and waited. I think it would have been smarter to wait, but I think that I didn't know about patience at the time. I was like, everything needs to happen yesterday now. Like I was very eager. So is Kavanaugh Construction though, like are they still doing your repairs now if you have anything um, no, anything broken no. or needs fixed? No, that was one of my most intelligent decisions is we put, so I reached out to Kunstad Sports, which is a bike ski shop in the Glebe. They have a location in Canada and I think now like Gatineau or Chelsea. We had to get city approval and I had to pitch like six different neighborhoods. So I pitched Little Italy, um, Hintonburg, the Glebe, Centertown, I think the market. And they thought that the Glebe was the path of least resistance um, because there was more parking. Um, people are never really going that fast down bank in the Glebe because like, there's a stoplight at every corner. So you're like maybe going 60 at so, yeah. um, so anyways, when, the, when I got approval for the Glebe, I reached out to Kudstad and said, can I rent a parking space and put my shipping container in a parking space and our bike stored there when we're not using it? And that was the smartest thing I've ever done because the Kudstad people at Technicians are magicians and they helped keep our bike roadworthy for the first season because the bike wasn't well made. Like I didn't want to buy a bike from China because I was told from other party bike owners that they would fall apart. But then when I had my Kunstad bike technicians underneath the party bike, they're like, a lot of these parts are just China parts and they're shit. Sorry. So, so like, I didn't know you learned the hard way. I didn't even go look at it. So, um, but yes, we, we still have our bike at the Kunstad parking lot and they service and check in on the bike like weekly. And it's the best thing ever. Okay, so Jesse, this is actually going to be my next question as to why you guys decided to to uh, start your business, like specifically doing tours in the Glebe, because I would have thought that the Byward Market, right downtown Ottawa, that would have been the prime location. But then I immediately started thinking like, okay, let's think, you know, 
in the back of our minds here, traffic, especially during rush hour, during the crazy times, like you guys are going to be holding up traffic because a pedal bike with your 14 passengers, it's only going to go so fast and so far. And uh, we don't want to be holding up traffic any more than we already are. <laughs> and we're already sitting in traffic anyways. And at least the Glebe is a little bit more quieter now. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did, the city made sure we had to avoid rush hour. So we were only allowed to start tours at 6 PM because they thought that rush hour would have um, dispersed by then. But it was also kind of like, cause I had worked at Lansdowne for the Red Blacks for three years. It was just like a neighborhood I knew really well. And I had some partnerships through my Red Blacks um, sponsorship role. And I felt like it was almost just like reaching out to like my university town. Like working in sport makes you feel like you were, you were just in university. And so the surrounding area was like campus. So it was very comfortable to us and we, we knew it really well, Allison and me. So that was one of the reasons we went to the Glebe. It felt safe. The vibrant market to me, and even as a person that works for tourism, <laughs> it just seems like parking, like where would we store it? I feel like it would get broken into more potentially. And yeah, like not having free parking available or having people having to get to downtown Ottawa. I mean, it would be way more. I still have it on the back burner for tourism. Like it should be in the market, but it just seems so congested in the market. I'm nervous. <laughs> Yeah, no, you have to be strategic in your business plans with these things. And of course, Jesse, I'm sure you get it all the time too, being like, why don't you, or you should, don't you just love when people say that to you in business and be like, well, if you could just sit down and let me explain all the back reasons, like all the backstory reasons as to why we're not doing that. Like the parking is the prime thing because people have to get home. Yes. For the most part, I'm, I'm hoping especially if people have had, you know, a couple too many beers that they're, they're jumping in a cab or an Uber, yeah. but a lot, that does a lot of make people sense. do Uber, like definitely. And, and, or carpool, but even if a couple of people are driving there just to pay the extra 20 bucks or having to get back to the Byron market after the next day, if you are local picking up your car, or, I don't know, just the traffic seemed, um, like it would be more down there, but this is all just like my own biases, <laughs> like, but just, we also have to remember though, that we're kind of in a recession right now. So people are yeah. looking to save money. And so yeah. if it's one less thing that we don't have to pay for an Uber, we don't have to pay for parking, then you yeah. know what, then you're going to keep getting people too. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Okay, Jesse. Now I remember the question that I wanted to ask you earlier that my mind blanked on. So you launched your business in 2019. And like I was saying, nobody else had launched a business like this before, which is still like, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, just as a bit of an overshare, I'm like, so I, I used to work at Pure Kitchen and, um, I was serving the guy that owns Brew Donkey, Brad, who I know well, and he does, um, like more brewery specific tours and he'll go all over um different areas in the west east whatever like they have way more time they have a car they can get further and i asked him i'm like why wouldn't you ever do a pedal tavern this was before i started it and i just was wondering and he said someone who works in that space like taking people around breweries ottawa would never approve it like they would be way too much red tape like it would just never fly and uh, and so i think that people just assumed that it wouldn't go and i do I, like you said you when you're an entrepreneur, you have people that come up to you and give you all these ideas and tell you what you should do and blah, blah, blah. And, um, in the other way, it's like, I'm sure people have come to you and like, I always want to start a podcast. And they're kind of like proud of you, but envious that you did it. And like, you stuck through it and like, you were consistent and now you've built it to where it is today. But I've had people on the bike being like, this is such a good idea. I've thought about doing this, but the difference between like the people that do and the people that don't is just action. And I took action and I was like, it took a lot of time. And that's the thing that I've learned about entrepreneurship is just like layer over layer and step over step. And it's going to take way longer than you think. Um, but like, if you don't ask, you don't know, like you got to ask. <laughs> yeah. If you don't ask, you don't get, it's so true. Especially in entrepreneurship though. If you sit on your ass and you wait, somebody else is going to jump on it. And I have to tell you this story too, Jesse. Like, I will never forget when me and my sister are sitting down watching a movie and she was literally like, wouldn't it be amazing? Like, no, sorry. We were sitting down watching a movie and she saw like an actor and being like, who is that? Who is that guy? Where, what movie is he from? And then we're Googling it, you know, cause you're just like, no, we have to stop the movie. We have to remember exactly who that actor is from. 
anyways, we're Googling it and we're trying to find out. Right, Paul Rudd, it's from, I was trying to think of like, what movie was he from? Um, The 40, uh, 40, this yeah, is 40. this is 40, yeah. There we go, see, I'm like, Paul Rudd. And I love you, man. What movie? And he's like, slapping yes. the bass. Yes. So <laughs> then she was like, wouldn't it be amazing if like at the starting of the movie, we see all the actors that are listed and like previous movies and stuff that they've been on. So that like when we're watching the movie, we'd be like, yep. I know exactly who that is. She's like, I should develop an app like that. And I think a year later, somebody did. And even Amazon Prime now, when you're watching Amazon Prime, it shows all the actors who are in the movie. And then it gives references to like, if you pick on, I think each one or something like that, it'll show um, as seen in da 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 Oh my da. gosh, that's and so, so cool. It's thinking, so yes, and, I'm like, and I said to her, well, I mean, I don't think she would ever launch something like that. But even the fact that she had that in her mind, I'm like, Aaron, you could have like gone on Dragon's Den. This could have been like you could have gotten like a a Dragon's deal, maybe Shark Tank. Like you never know. But it's just it's things like that. Though when you have an idea, you've got to jump on it, but you've got to take action immediately because we're living in a time right now where people just get these ideas in their head. And entrepreneurship, I feel, I personally feel, is at its peak right now with so many people embarking on it. Would yes. you agree? Oh yes. I feel like it's definitely trendy to be an entrepreneur and, and it's because now with all these social platforms, you can kind of see the behind the scenes. Like I feel like in the nineties, people were entrepreneurs. You didn't know what they did. Like there wasn't this like persona, personal brand. It was just like, they owned a business. I work as a lawyer, like, you know, everyone had their roles, but now what you can see what people get up to and maybe they get to be on their own schedule. But we all know like those memes where you see like, Oh, I wanted to be an entrepreneur so I could be in like, I quit my nine to five to be an entrepreneur and work like 24 <laughs> seven. Like yeah. you can't really disconnect. So <laughs> no, so, you can't turn it off. Actually. Oh, so on the note of apps, I saw something super niche on TikTok the other day. It was like someone talking about how they didn't want to go to the bathroom during a movie. Maybe it was the Barbie movie or Oppenheimer or whatever, because they didn't want to miss anything important. And the, the, this guy pops up, he's like, there's an app for that. And it's, I don't know what it's called, something like pee now. And it just tells you when the best time would be to go. And then when you come back, it'll tell Stop. you what you missed in the app. And I was like, I would never think of this, but like, I feel like people will use it. I a hundred percent would. And I also would probably not get up to pee during either of those movies. <laughs> well, like there's people that don't pee on airplane rides for like five hours. I feel like there's also definitely people that don't pee in a two, three hour movie. They just, they just hold it. <laughs> That's hilarious. But like, again, like that innovation, you have to have such a creative mind to be able to not only come up with this concept, but then, but then embark on it, actually go for it. Oh my God. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. I know, so I know you're interviewing me, but it's so hard for me not to ask you questions because I'm very inquisitive and curious. And I was just wondering what your background from, from like how you got into the event networking business hosting space and then podcasting. Can you tell me about yourself <laughs> or no? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, of course, Jesse. That's so funny. Nobody ever asked. Nobody ever asked me. Um, not in radio, not in broadcasting. I just love to chat. I'm a chatterbox and I went through the pandemic going crazy because I had a, I had a baby and I was at home and I was isolated and I was alone and I love local businesses. And so you put an extrovert during a pandemic at home with a baby who loves supporting local, loves learning about um, women in business and uh, yeah. And you create a podcast, especially with the growing popularity. And I, like I said, I, I love women. I appreciate women. And I, especially now more than ever, especially women that are, uh, whether they're serial entrepreneurs, whether they're moms, working professionals, also juggling like their own business, it's always intrigued me. And I've always wondered how people do it. And so I would always have those conversations with people being like, how are you doing it all? How are you juggling it all? And now I'm one of them. And so now I get it. And I'm in that realm and I get to meet people like you and have these conversations and light that fire under my, my own ass to kind of like keep going and, and build and build and build further and further. So that's how that's I got so into it. Cool. That's so cool. Yeah. All right. So let's shine the spotlight back on you, Jesse, because as much as I love talking about myself, I, I do like talking with my guest. Um, so I want to kind of get into it a little bit more when you guys first launched your business. So it's 2019. You guys started in June, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, kind of, that's when the bike arrived, but then we had to get a bunch of work done. So we, we had our first 
friends and family ride July uh, 19th. Sorry, I just am having flashbacks. So our first ride was July 19th. And this is another, you know, lesson. Everything's just a learning opportunity as a new entrepreneur. Um, I had never really worked with a shipping container before, which is what we store our bike in. And so I told Kavanaugh Construction, who was making sure the bike was suited to the container, like he, they lowered the roof because it was too high. I told them the dimensions of the shipping container, but the dimensions of a shipping container are the outside. So the inside is different because it has like the lip for the floor and just like, you know, it's just a different, it's smaller. Inside is smaller. So they, they float the bike on a tractor trailer from Carlton place arrive and it doesn't fit in the shipping container. So after this is on the day of our friends and family test run. So after the ride, we did it. It went well. We had to get everybody that rode with us to help us lift off the roof and like take it down. And my business partner didn't love that because it was very high risk. Like the metal's heavy and we're getting people to pass it down from really high up. And there just could have been an injury. There wasn't, but it's well, like, and you've I got really, one bike. Yeah, like, and I, you can't I learn like though, Jesse. Like if that's if, if something happens, that's it. There I goes learned, this business idea down the drain. I learned measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, cut once. That's what my boyfriend always says to me because that was a hard lesson. So then they had to ship it back to Carl or to Kavanaugh and readjust um, so it would fit in the shipping container. So. That was really annoying. We had to take the roof off for the next couple of days because we had rides lined up with like influencers because we wanted to get the word out there. So we had some influencers coming to cover it on social. And yeah, just always measure twice, cut once. There we go. Now we know. <laughs> so what pubs did you first partner with in the Glebe and how did you guys decide what ones you wanted to partner with? Um, That's a good question. I think I just... I didn't realize how much value we brought to people because again, I was so new and green. And um, so I reached out to Clock Tower because they are a local company and I really wanted to support local um, banditos because it's also local, but um, it's right across the street from our starting location. And just because we don't have an engine, the bike's completely pedal powered. We had to start and end the route at the same spot. So we like start at Finstad's and then we, go to two places and end at Clinstad's and then cross the street to the final location, Bandito's. And we actually leave the group at Bandito's so they can stay for the whole night, which hopefully you'll get to ride soon and you can experience it for yourself. Uh, but it was Bandito's, Clock Tower, and then our other partner was Craft, Craft Beer Market, because we really wanted to showcase Lansdowne because people love going through there. And um, Craft has local beer on tap like they're a canadian company but from out west so not like super ottawa local but they do serve ottawa beer and um we just wanted to be able to go through lansdowne so those were our three partners but then the next summer we got you know six we got up to six or seven so we doubled the amount of people we worked with we added margarita glebe central pub three's coast snack bar sorry that's not true this is all throughout the last years in 2020 we had to deal with a whole thing called covid you know well, let's get into that, Jesse, because you guys started your business in 2019, great year to launch your biz, but then now we're in 2020 and everything halts, like everything comes to a standstill because of the pandemic. What were your initial thoughts when you realized that your pedal party was not considered an essential service, but it also can no longer operate during COVID times? Yeah, I was sad. Um, <laughs> I also... I also worked in tourism, which probably couldn't have been more negatively affected. Like everybody stopped traveling. All the hotels were closed. I actually was laid off from Ottawa tourism for six weeks, which now that I think about it is really a blip, a blip in time. But at the moment it felt really soul crushing because, you know, a lot of organizations went lean. So they kept 50% of their staff and I was one of the ones to be laid off. So then of course you have this whole ego problem. Like, why was I laid off? And other people weren't. I mean, people have worked there for decades, so I'm going to say it's like last in, first out or something. But um, yeah, so I was having an identity crisis. Like, what am I going to do with my life? What does this look like? And we all didn't know how to deal with a pandemic or how long it would last. And instead of just kind of relaxing and enjoying the six weeks, which I wish I had done now, hindsight again, um, I decided I wanted to just focus on the pillars of Thirsty Peddler and they were to bring people together have fun and support local. So community connection, 
and fun, basically. Um, so I was like, how can I do that? So I was like, okay, we're going to bring people together digitally. Everyone was doing all these Zoom meetings and parties, and that was new. People were still into it. Um, so we we started, and then we wanted so bring people together, have fun, support local. So we want to have fun. So we have this fun little game, bring people together on Zoom, and then we support local where in the sense where you could order a cocktail kit from a local. Like we had different cocktail kits throughout the weeks that we did this and I created this like essentially a Jeopardy style drinking game like it was so weird I should, what, it was just what I did with my time and there I think people created intense apps throughout this time so things got better and there was cooler things like I feel like Jackbox TV or something was a big hit I don't know yes I, yes that was huge yeah I created like some sort of online Jeopardy like you would pick some category for points and then there would be like more like frat boy activities like with drinking games it was getting people together in the same way that thirsty peddler people like to drink and have fun and cause the, like run amok um but we did that opened the door to cocktail kits so we started working with local places um so kin vineyards was one of them and like a bunch of different places we went to needham's um farm and got like fresh made salsa and there was locally made tostitos that we would send with a bottle of kin vineyards rosé and then we would send local strawberries and people could make their own rosé at home like it was very elaborate but this required me to be like driving to all these places to pick it up and then of course I was doing like home delivery anywhere in Ottawa and I live in Elmont like it was just such a inefficient non-profitable thing to do <laughs> like not scalable but I did you know maintain a presence online create something for people to do and experience and then bar from afar started I don't know if you've heard of it but they do like cocktail kits and classes um and and he, he just he's a mixologist so he had way more of like the things you needed to do and it just wasn't what I wanted like I wanted to be in person with people and we did digital for a bit and we did the cocktail kits for a bit so I think the thing about entrepreneurs is it's like COVID's like sink or swim like it's survival of the fittest if you're not willing to keep going or try new things um like you'll probably not survive so um, and then in 2022, that last summer was our first full operational season, even though it was technically our fourth year. Like, I don't even know. 2019, yeah. 2020, 21, 22. It was our fourth summer and our first full season from May to October, which is crazy. That's like, I had to be like resilient. And the fact that this is one thing I will say to any aspiring entrepreneurs out there. Like I wanted to quit my day job and just pursue entrepreneurship because I love the like thrill and the, um, the rush of building something. And like, you know, the harder I work and the more effort you put in, the more profitable it seems to be. And I love that. Um, but I'm so grateful that I kept my day job because I would have not been able to like, you know, financially support myself on a business that could run for two or three months of the year for the first three years. Like I would have been a failed business statistic. Jesse, I feel like that's something that nobody talks about in business because everybody is always excited to like embark full time in your business, which is the most exciting thing. But we don't talk about like the financial stability aspect of it. And for you being a seasonal job too, like you only have such a small window of opportunity, especially like to be able to be booked for that entire, that entire season and make a good enough profit to last you the rest of the year. And I actually had the ladies from the June motel on my podcast recently out in Prince Edward County. And we talked about that too. And they're at that point in their, in their careers where they're at that, that peak of fame, but that peak of fame, like really hit home whenever they were on Netflix and, and business boomed and they were like ready to embark fully. But then once that kind of like comes down a little bit and that shift happens, it's like, okay, well now we've got to work our asses off to build that momentum again. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of like anybody in a tourism industry, especially on social media, we have to keep showing up. We have to be creative. We have to keep doing the reels and the TikToks and like jump at threads, like whatever the next big thing is. And, and specifically for you, again, being a seasonal business, like that's so, so hard to do. And I think that this was a really great aspect going back to the digital part of your, of your strategic thinking there, Jesse, during COVID, you weren't sitting on your ass being, woe is me, scrubbing the countertops and, and underneath your fridge. Maybe you were, you know, in your downtime, but there really was none of that because yeah, you, you my go-to is in cleaning. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, your go-to was like thinking, how am I going to keep this business going? Because like you said, sink or swim in entrepreneurship. And during the pandemic, you would have sank if you didn't get your button gear to think of like, what's another way to get people motivated and show up and, and support my business as well as everybody else. And again, going back to that initial conversation, what you and I were talking about, about community, you really drove home that community aspect by, by bringing other partners in with you to say like, how can we work together? And even remember seeing something that you had teamed up with be savvy out in arm prior. I think it's nice like to support people. And it's interesting. You said that I haven't listened to the one with, um, Oh my God, Sarah and, but I will, because I am a fan of them and you're right. Like the, the June motel, like with all of that coming to a peak with the, with the motel makeover series, like I was like, holy crap, these girls are killing it. And of course they are, but you have to keep operating at that level to keep yourself top of mind because there's all these trends and people want to go to the new motel and the new place to stay. And like then Lakeside opened up in Prince Edward County. Like there's always going to be something new. And that's how I feel about, um, Thirsty Peddler is okay. How long are party bags going to be cool? And like, I, in my head, I think that it's always like a go-to activity for bachelorettes and birthday parties. Like it's so fun and it's different and it's, you know, something cool. And I think our experience is amazing and our party pilots make it so great, but I'm like, you know, maybe party pilot, party bikes aren't going to be a thing in 2033. Who knows? Would you say that 2022 was your busiest and most profitable year? Uh, yes, I would. I would say that mostly because we could actually operate for six months, but also, um, we opened our second location in 2022 in Hindenburg, but not till August. So it's definitely our most profitable, profitable year um, since. I do think that our 2023 year is like, it's not competing with 2022. I think that people are traveling more outside of Ottawa. So I need to do a better job of reaching out to different cities and kind of doing marketing and advertising in different cities because yeah, we get the word out there to Ottawa, but like, unless I'm spending time and digital ad spend in like Kingston, Toronto, Montreal, people don't know about you. Right. And I think for a while there was like this kind of, I don't know what the word is it like bragging rights, but like people would say, Oh, I've never spent a money on advertising. It's all organic or whatever. Like that was like some sort of star gold star. And I'm like, I'm spending money on advertising. Like digital Facebook ads are so um, effective and you can reach people and it's so affordable. I, I actually say BS to anybody that says that they don't, they don't utilize any kind of any forms of, uh, of marketing Paid, and that's all yeah. organic because we are in, in, in different aspects, whether we're hiring influencers, whether we're paying for True. Facebook and Instagram ads, whether we're hiring a digital creator or a videographer, we are outsourcing. It's just in different forms of advertising and marketing. Yeah. I would like to actually talk to anybody who is a profitable business that is not outsourcing in any aspect in terms of marketing. I know it's almost like, okay, so you're not spending money, but you're, you're, you're leaving people untapped or you're leaving money on the table. Probably by not like people say you gotta spend money to make money. And that, that's a, that saying is a saying for a reason. Yeah. Now, Jesse, I talked earlier about liabilities and I really want to get into this because you're in a business where alcohol is involved with your passengers or even, even the whole operation of driving your, your pedal bike as well. So, I mean, if there's a fall or injury while the bike is in motion. So have you actually had to deal with any liability issues or a serious situation that you didn't think might happen? Okay. I'm going to knock on wood. No. Uh like people always ask, has anybody ever follow, fallen off? No. Um, but you know, we're trying to keep our local partners enjoying our groups and our experiences. And if people show up super inebriated, then we're actually passing the liability on to the, like we leave people at the final stop. So the final stop bar is now responsible for cutting them off. And there's just people that do silly things. Like people do jump off the bike if something drops. So we like try to say if you, you lose your sunglasses or your phone, like let us know. Actually, one thing that has been damaged is someone did drop their phone and it got crushed and their cell phone got crushed. But luckily humans have been safe. Um, I will say, I think that we talked, like you had sent some questions and one of them was, have we always done like the sort of same schedule? I think, I don't know. There was something that made me want to tell you that in our first year in 2019, we ran tours at 12, 3, 6, and 9. So we did four tours a day on Saturday. And 
everybody I had reached out to in the party bike business, um, I had a, like ahead of starting Thirsty Peddler, they're like, you'll do a late night tour, which is nine till 11, one season, and you won't do it again. And they could not have been more right. Like we did do 12, three, six, and nine in the first season, but nine was the worst stress level and managing drunks because people would pre-drink and show up at nine drunk. Whereas when our latest were six, we're kind of like getting it started and then people carry on after that. And again, like you're only at three places. So maybe you're having three drinks, but there's obviously people that make it into a sport and they want to have like more than that at each place or a drink and a shot or whatever. Um, but yeah, having to recognize if strangers that you've never met are drunk when they show up to your tour before and managing um, personalities, like that was an interesting thing. And it seemed like a lot of liability and stress. And now we can say since our tour, our latest tour time is six, that we're off the road by eight. So it keeps like the people in the residential neighborhoods a lot happier. Like we are done by 8 p.m. Yeah. yeah. You'd rather be the pre-drink than the nightcap. Yes. Yes. 100%. But I did learn the hard way and everybody else told me, you're not going to do it again. And I was like, you're correct. We are done with the 9 p.m. But that, all I have to say, I don't think I've mentioned it, but when I first started this business, and again, it was only August, September, October, like three months. So we had a half season in, in 2019, but I worked like 90% of the tours because as a business owner, you're the one doing everything. So I was the tour guide, like I was marketing and developing the website with my business partner and the booking software and then like entertaining and hosting people four times a day on Saturdays and uh, once on Fridays and three times on Sundays. I mean, that's if our whole weekends were full, but like, I don't know how I did it. I used to say to Nick, like I would get up, go to the gym from five to six, go to my office job and then work tours like, and come home. The tour was from nine to 11. I get home to Elmont at midnight. Like the things you can do when you're a little younger and just like so full of, um, I don't know, optimism, <laughs> but now we have staff, so I don't have to do that. Um, I ride tours sometimes cause it's fun and I enjoy meeting the people and just checking in on the experience, but it was a lot of, uh, being on, you know? Yeah. I like what you said about like, it's a lot of optimism, but it is a lot of piss and vinegar too, as the saying goes, <laughs> yeah. I totally get that because I used to live out in Alberta when I was in my early twenties and I kid you not, I would work until noon, head to the airport, hop on a plane, drive from Ottawa to like, or, or Toronto or even Hamilton sometimes, Jesse, whatever the cheapest flight was. Cause I was an idiot in like a rental car, drive back to my hometown in the Ottawa Valley, get back on a plane on Sunday night, get back in at 3 a.m., go back home, and then show up for work on Monday morning. I that was a whole weekend, a Friday to a Monday morning. I'm like, what was I doing? And like, I, I think back to that, and I'm like, I have more energy, or I had more energy back then than I do now operating on even less sleep because I have two kids. Yeah. How yeah. Did we do yeah. it. I don't know. But why are you in Alberta and flying home for the weekends? <laughs> well, um, moved out for love, missed my family like crazy. Also like missed just everybody. I, I never wanted to move out there, but moved out there for my boyfriend, now husband. And, uh, and then ended up coming back home after four years because I mean, I, I was, I was done and there was no ring. And I was just like, I'm, I'm hopping back on a plane and I'm coming back home. See, I wouldn't want to be. Yeah. And he was just like, okay, well, I want to be with you. So I came back home. Oh, good. So he came. Here. Okay, good. He did. You got the husband yeah, and came. the location you wanted to be in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we, we situated ourselves here, but yeah. Cool. I'm glad you did. Cause otherwise Ottawa Valley boss babes wouldn't be a thing. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Jesse. So I would imagine that a popular and a one of a kind business like yours would be sold out nonstop all summer, especially on Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. But there's still four days where you're doing everything you can to make sure that you've got those butts in seats for book tours. So how are you advertising and marketing to ensure that your tours are consecutively booked from now until the fall? Great question. Um, well, I don't know if you can relate, but I feel like you can always be doing more. I always feel like I could be doing more marketing. Um, but we do a lot on Instagram, trying to get into the TikTok game so I can get those Gen Zs as they come up and, and they'll be our next target demographic as they get married and celebrate milestone birthdays and all that fun stuff. But um, I do have 
you know, a budget for advertising on Facebook and Instagram. We do have influencers that ride and I've done some giveaways that I think has a lot of value and traction. And I love having local voices share our experience because they have such a engaged and like large audience. Um, and, uh, recently I have been thinking like, how do I mix it up and make things more, um, like scarcity because I feel like if you've done it before, like we had the Glebe tour and the Hindenburg tour. And if you've done both, it's like, okay, how do I get repeat riders that had fun? So I'm, I'm exploring themed rides and I'm currently planning a Taylor Swift Eras tour weekend. Fun. Like everyone come in their Eras outfit. We're going to just play Taylor Swift. There's going to be Taylor Swift themed cocktails at our partner locations. Swifties are serious. So I think it'll go over really well. I love that. I love that. And it, it is nice too, that you guys do have like the music on your pedal bikes too. So you can like incorporate the music. And I saw too, that you guys can like decorate and, and I say you guys, but I mean, you guys, in terms of our audience, anybody that's booking a tour, you guys can bring like the fun and decorate the tour bus. Like you guys don't, or the tour bus, the tour bike, you don't just have to like rely on, uh, on, on Jesse and her staff to do it. Like you guys can bring the fun, wear the costumes, do the thing. Like doesn't matter if you're a Motley Crue fan, Swifty fan, whatever you are, like do it up. Yes. And I mean, on the music front, when groups book, we often allow them to be in charge of the music. Like they can either connect to their Bluetooth or send us a playlist or request things from the party pilot on the DJ on the aux. But um, it's really fun. So Jesse, kind of going back to your role in your job as a marketing manager for Ottawa Tourism. Um, how has your role with them integrated with being an entrepreneur of a tourism business while also learning about other local businesses throughout the city? And do you kind of see yourself like tapping out and, and moving away from that at some point? And I know we, it's, it's a difficult conversation to even get into because that is still in your employer, but, but where do you see yourself going with your business? Yeah. Um, so being at auto tourism has shown me so many ways that I can market, uh, our tourism business. And one of the things that I don't tap into and need to is, uh, like when big meetings or conventions come to town, because they're always looking for like activities to do and breakout sessions and unique things. And I need to get in with like an event planner and be like, Hey, if you have a conference or like the Westin, if you have a big convention coming up, can you let me know so I can reach out to the organizer? Sometimes I get a little weary of like conflict of interest because I have all these people's contact information, but I mean, I could just show up at the hotel and ask them. So I think that there's lots of ways I could be doing more. I think it's unique to get to know different tourism businesses and see how they market and see what kind of fun, new engaging things they come up with every year. Like I subscribe to all their mailing lists because I'm like, oh, what are they doing? And what are their specials? And just seeing what other people are doing in the industry. Um, but in terms of leaving my job, it's one of those things where I feel like I know the advice or I, I hear the advice of lots of people say like, if you dive headfirst into something, it'll grow way bigger. Like, you know, straddling two things, you're always going to take, it's going to take, it's going to be slower. It's going to be slower build. And, and that's definitely how I think I operate right now. Like Thirsty Pellers doing great, but I love having my day job for not just security, but there's a lot of opportunity in auto tourism and a lot of growth. And my leadership team is so great. So I can't pick, like, I don't want to pick. So until I have to, I'm not going to, I'm going to keep they're so aligned and one helps the other. Um, and one thing I often say to entrepreneurs is the fact that Thirsty Peddlers May to October, I personally love, like, I don't know. So I know the owners of Ottawa Valley Coffee in Elmont. I go there all the time. And I'm like, the fact that you have to do this 365, like there's never an off button. Like I like to have a little bit of an off season for my entrepreneurial anxiety and like having to think of so many things in my head and, and maybe that would be less intense. Like I do have people in my life who say, you wouldn't feel that way if you didn't have 40 hours of work and brain power going to it's something else, you know, but I don't know. I, I like it. I've always been like the type of person that wants to bite off more than I can chew and just figure it out. And I feel like life's so short. Like why not try to do everything? <laughs> Here's another question for you that I'm going to kind of throw a curveball at you at with your job you're doing marketing, you're doing social media, you're promoting local businesses. Do you ever kind of get tired of doing that? Because like now you've got to do it again for your own job. You've got oh like, gosh. you've got to show yes. up. You've got to be excited. <laughs> you've got to be on just, just have that on button. By the end of the day, you're probably just exhausted. And you're like, I don't want to be on my phone anymore. I'm just tapped out. I just need that break. Oh yeah. hundred percent. 
I went for dinner the other day um, with my boyfriend without my phone for the first time ever. And he was so happy because it never happens because I'm always glued to my phone. Um, but no, I, I think of that regularly. And I wonder if other people think this way too. Like, because I work in marketing and I used to run auto tours and social media, I do more paid marketing for auto tourism now. But it was like, the last thing I wanted to do was promote my business. <laughs> it's like that, you know, you only have so much energy and gas in the tank. So I do think I should be showing up more on social media for their together, like have a better fleshed out content calendar that I would do for like a client or my own day job. Like I think because I'm the boss and if I don't do it, nothing happens. Sometimes you have to like really hold yourself accountable and, you know, be more disciplined with your own stuff. But like, it's your own stuff. So <laughs> like I'm only hurting myself. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was wondering, I was going to ask you that too. Cause I feel like I need to show up more on thirsty peddler. Cause I think that people like to know like the people behind the brand, but I also think I just need to post more, but I sometimes I'm worried that I'm going to bug people like I'm posting so much. And that's not like my marketing brain knows you need to see it like seven to nine times before people purchase. But I'm like, Oh, I've posted once a week. Like that's not a good amount. So I feel like I need to take the advice I would give a business and not what I do for myself sometimes. Like there's ebbs and flows of, we do so much at the beginning when we're launching. And then once tours go, the one thing I will say is the peddler is a moving billboard. Like you see it on the street, people take pictures of it. It passes a bunch of people through Lansdowne. A lot of people on the bike will post it on their social media, which will reach their following. So there's a lot of organic opportunity for it spreading. Um, so then I think maybe I'm a bit lazy at times. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like you are in a good niche market where you can rely on organic, on or, on organic promotion, which is really nice. Cause like you said, you're like, people are taking pictures or taking selfies or tagging you. Like you, you're letting your customers be your, your marketers, right? It's true. Yeah. And there's so, a lot of good word of mouth. You hit the nail on the head though, Jesse, about like constantly showing up. And we talked about this earlier. We're in a time and an age where people's brains are just going so, so fast and we're seeing things, but you need to keep seeing things on repeat in order for them to register and for people to like hit that book button and to keep popping up and reminding people. So if, if it's too much for them, then that's not your ideal customer. And that's how I keep trying to think too if, if so, I'm right. bothering people too much by showing up but by promoting local businesses and promoting women in business and and saying like listen you should be listening to this podcast because I promote the absolute shit out of my guests and 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 local businesses in general and I'm like if you don't like that then then maybe then you you shouldn't be here then so yes. I think it's kind of the same thing like it's just you're it's right just That's the time that we're living in it. It's true. Yeah. Like, I, like there's people that top of mind for me all the time, but it's not top of mind for a random average person. Like they need to be reminded that this is an activity they can participate in and only until October. <laughs> well, Jesse, this has been fun. Honestly, I could talk to you all evening long, but honestly, like, I'm so glad that we finally connected and, and to be able to promote and, and, uh, and market and showcase the thirsty peddler. And I'm so proud of you for, for persevering and for, for, for continuing to show up and keep going. And I'm really excited to take a pedal ride and, and uh, taste some craft beers in the Ottawa area in the next Yeah, I can't wait to host you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun chatting. Well, Jesse, tell everybody how they can book a tour. If you guys are still taking, uh, taking bookings this summer, what's still available? Cause I know like your weeks are still booking up really, really fast, especially being in the hot summer months. Um, plug your socials as well, because I want everybody right now to to go on their phones, get away from your podcast episode, go on the socials and give the thirsty peddler a follower on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, like I said, book your tour. Yeah. So we're thirsty peddler on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, And it's thirsty with a U, which was a, also a learning curve because we spelt it wrong on purpose as my boyfriend's name, last name is Thurston. So we thought it would be cute, but then Google took a while to figure that out because it would always autocorrect to the correct spelling with an I, but it's thirsty peddler with a U and, um, our website is www. And yeah, I really hope that you guys come and try out the ride because it's super fun. It's a fun way to get together. It's a little bit of physical activity. So you're earning your drinks and you get to enjoy the Ottawa summer and fall. And then, you know, we have to deal with winter. <laughs> so get out and experience patios and fun activities with your friends while you still can. There you go. And Jesse, who is one local Canadian boss babe that inspires you that you think everyone should know about? 
Oh my gosh, I knew this question was coming and I didn't prepare. Um, okay, I'm gonna ignore your question about one and give you three. So obviously I'm a big fan of Emily from Truthfully Made. It's her 10th anniversary today, so I have to give her a shout out. And I just got this mug at her store, which is a collaboration with another maker. It's a Truthfully Made mug and I love it. Um, literally tonight at six, I went there. And then um, Emma, from, who's part owner in Ottawa Valley Coffee, Almont, she and her husband own the business and they're lovely and she takes such pride in coffee and she, her, their coffee is so good and I love their cafe. And then since you said Canadian and not just Ottawa, I have a big girl crush on this girl named Erin who owns Azerfit, which is a Canadian um, fitness company and they do like active apparel wear. This is one of their bras and I just follow her on social media and she shares behind the scenes as her fit um and it's more affordable than lululemon and good quality and i wear it all the time and i think she's really cool amazing jesse i love that like not only are you like giving these businesses shout outs but you're also like representing them on this podcast right now that's amazing thank you i really uh, really love supporting female entrepreneurs and local businesses and i'm awesome. so happy that well, you jesse... do that with your platform thank you Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Like I said earlier, love supporting women in business and everything that everybody is doing to continually to show up. It inspires me. It inspires so many others. And so if you are listening to this podcast episode right now, and you're thinking about that creative idea that you've got in the back of your head and thinking, you know, what if jump on it, go for it. Like Jesse and I were talking about earlier, you know, like don't sit on it for too much longer because somebody else might grab that idea and go for it. So you could be, 100%. you could be generating some income and, and living the dream yourself. Absolutely. Go for it. Got nothing to lose. Well, babes, that's it for another week of OB Boss Babes podcast with our spinoff series, The Babe Beyond the Brand. Thanks so much for being a part of our community. If you're listening for this for the first time, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or if you're a regular listener, tell another business owner how much you love our podcast. And who knows, maybe you or they might get featured next. Come back on Monday for our regular OB Boss Babes series for more entrepreneur features across the Ottawa Valley, Lanark County, Udaway, and the Pontiac. 